Hello everyone, Simon here from snapshooter.com and you're listening to the Pushing to Production podcast. On this podcast, we focus on the purely technical side of running a project, learning about how startups go from code to production. Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of Pushing to Production. My guest today is Jamie Robinson from, I've forgotten how to pronounce the name of your business already, Mashroom, is it? <laughs> Mashroom. Mashroom, Mashroom which is a business solution for, you said, small to medium businesses, sort of technical solution. That's the one. Can you go into a bit about that? So a set of online tools for um, small mm-hmm. to medium businesses. We basically, we've, we've grown for a long time now by various companies coming up to me and saying, what's, or, you know, we have a problem, whether it's mm-hmm. file storage, doesn't work for them, or, you know, we do inventory tracking, bit of HR, that kind of thing. And we have built the platform based on what people have asked us for. So code-wise, we have to build incredibly flexibly and we reuse coding components an awful lot. And obviously from when that bubbles up to what our users see, they're very flexible modules and components which fit a range of range of use cases. Okay, does that mean you deal mostly with sort of physical companies who don't have any technical skills or in-house? Yeah, mostly that's where we sit down. We, we, we sort of pride ourselves on being quite a... Um, a friendly company, mm-hmm. one that sort of pick up the phone to and, and have a chat to and we talk about that. So our, yeah, where we've had the the most success, let's say, is companies that really they um, sort of fondly call them not tech enabled. <laughs> some people in the company are, some of them aren't. We, we cater to them all. And yes, it's it's a case of saying what's possible with tech, what's not possible with tech and uh, taking them through that process. Interesting. Sounds a little difficult to have a solution for all. Um, to have such a generic solution. <laughs> it, on, a, on a technical basis, that's that's the fun for me. So yeah. we a lot of a lot of SaaS providers, for better or worse, come out with a product and then find the people that will fit the product. Mm-hmm. Where we have a very flexible set of components, and we allow, as I always say when we're chatting on LinkedIn and what have you, let's just have a chat see what you're having difficulties with and we will fill in the bridge between us and you if it's possible you know we're also very happy to say look we're we're not the right people for you if you tried x y and z so that's the coding that goes into being able to make that happen is is a lot of fun interesting yeah obviously yeah uh, snapshot are in a completely different ballpark <laughs> trying to, trying to basically <laughs> offer you know six fixed set of solutions to um many users instead of tailoring everybody so how do you Maybe you could get slightly into the technical side of how you build such a sort of abstracted solution for so many different businesses. And yeah, a little curious what tech stack you're running and uh, infrastructure and stuff. Yeah, but if I do, um, I say the basic tech stack for those interested. So we run, we're all on open source tech stack. So say as mm-hmm. of Machine 7, which is about to be released this evening or the day after, would you believe? Oh, good luck. It have coincided quite nicely after a long time of work. So we're going to be... Um, MySQL on the back, going up to an Apache with PHP on, on the top um, or on the, on the server size. That's a GraphQL API taking through to a React front end. So that's our that's our user side. So it's um, sort of slightly the Facebook stack, but without the weird stuff that Facebook does these days. You know, the simplified Facebook. <laughs> I haven't looked at Facebook's um, Facebook's language for a long time. So they, it's actually quite interesting. They they found PHP too slow for dealing with billions of requests. So they now translated it into hack, 
which I don't think anyone else has followed them. And I certainly don't plan to anytime soon. It's um, it's a weird sort of how to make PHP, not PHPs. Yeah. I had a quick look at it when they went, when it first came out and it was still compatible. But as soon as it sort of became its own language and... Yeah, you know, I yeah. believe it's actually funny because what GraphQL is, because GraphQL only has one endpoint, as it were, one, one mm-hmm. core place where it all stems from, it's actually easier to translate that into hack because the biggest thing with hack is they actually made PHP have an endpoint rather than just opening up the file and running it because it's all compiled. So um, it's possible we could do it. No, I, yes. I don't. No, exactly, no uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, keeping, we've, we've got enough problems as it is, you know, keep things simple. So yeah, that, that's our tech stack. So I guess one of the most difficult things I, I find um, when people, you know, when customers come up to us and say, you know, can we do X, Y, and Z, is the data storage, would you believe, making that flexible? Because in the database, you have a certain number of columns in your database, and they have a certain number of column names, and you really don't want to be adding new column names for each customer. That That's a really nasty thing no. to be. Um, so we have come up with what, what I've sort of labeled the fuzzy data engine, which allows essentially turn a database and um, turn it through 90 degrees. So the keys in the database are variable. And that allows us to say we take a, say we, uh, we're just about to come up with a CRM solution. Say you take a, a person in a CRM. What you can do is you can add, the user can add fields to that person to collect different bits of data. And coding side as well, I can write in new fields that everyone's going to have. And that fits into a database and it also boils down to a hierarchical structure as well. So you can have a, a contact with a person has two layers and then et cetera, et cetera. So it means that you can do what us coders know as object inheritance. You can do your keys in a database, which is that is one of the technologies that underpins all of our modules and allows us to offer features quite flexibly and allows our users to set it up as they want to. Do you have any performance worries around that or is that all being baked in as the first principle the short answer is no not really so we have customers with they're probably up to six hundred thousand now but certainly last time i checked five hundred thousand data points and they can knock out um reports that come down in excel i think the report takes about eight seconds to run that kind of thing oh okay so it's one of those things that once you get a database doing what it's meant to do and you get code that is, let's say, not doing anything stupid. You know, there's a, yeah. you know, getting it, getting at least, you know, the data comes in and it flows through to what you're doing. You know, there isn't sort of some churn somewhere for no reason. I think you would call the performance acceptable. Yes. And with modern servers and modern CPUs and those sorts of things, we we certainly haven't found a need to get any more impressive and data science about it than, than what we're doing. Where do you host at the moment? Uh, so we're all in AWS. Is our mm-hmm. is our hosting provider from top to bottom? Basically, everything's in there. Okay. Do you use their managed databases as well? Yeah. So we're running an uh, Aurora cluster. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have two databases in our cluster, I believe, in read and write. Okay. Yeah, we run in the same way, but we're in. We have two replicas together. That three availability zone. Yeah. Reliability. Yeah. We haven't got the third one. No, because it gets pricey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. <laughs> yeah. I think AWS is a beautiful business model where they say, look at all these shiny things you could have, and you go, yeah, and you, yeah, 
if you don't. Uh, the only, go to I think the only good thing about Allura compared to uh, MySQL in that regard is that you can actually use the replicas. Where with the with MySQL, if you were to have cross-regional, those things just sit there <laughs> doing nothing. Yeah, they <laughs> spend tons of money just waiting for the day for it all to go wrong. So yeah. yeah. So another another bit of kit we've got under the hood is uh we've got a custom database controller if you want to call it that something called the database minions wrote them a long time ago and um what they do is they use if it's just a read statement and it's not under a transaction those sorts of things it can use the read endpoint you know there's an end there's a special read endpoint and the write endpoint using a transaction writing we can do the write endpoint so from an application layer we can split the data quite okay, nicely yeah. which does us really well we haven't had a database issue i think full stop we had a one in the very early days but i don't think that was something yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, that probably leads on to a good question of do you have any horror stories around some sort of DevOps and the server sides and stuff like that? You know, any? So, I think the, the the memories I have most fondly from the early days of Shoom, it was a, it was a hobby. I was doing it for a sort of a, to help a university project. So when I was learning how to do things properly. Safe to say, we had some we had some quite uh, interesting whoopsies. We had a. Um, at that point, I didn't know what Git was, so <laughs> yes. code. Yeah, so th- this is this is a mechanical engineer learning how to code here. It was it was fun. I no see. one was paying for this, by the way. No one, <laughs> you know, yeah. in the early days. So there was I was uploading files uh, individually, and that went about as well as we now know it's expected to go. I also wasn't using transactions when doing database. Um, you know, multiple calls together, and it was a yeah. complex complex thing. Our design module, which is what it's now called. So it would get halfway through, the script would break, and then you had a data, database which was out of sync with each other. And, you know, if anyone yeah. managed a database, that's generally where bad things start to happen. <laughs> I mean, why would the start. code stop halfway through? That's the, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, like this. Yeah, that, that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we ended up in some, so I had the, the thing we started this database with was a spreadsheet of design part numbers. If, if you've mm-hmm. ever if you've ever sort of gone that way. So we kept on, we sort of, we ran the database or ran what wasn't called machine at the time or this for a week. It broke in all sorts of ways. I cleared the database out, re-uploaded the part list again, did it again, two weeks, broke again. So the the early days of just not knowing how to manage these things or how to error manage is what it turned into. Yeah, very much learning. Yeah, that's interesting. The, yeah. the uploading individual files makes me laugh. Back in um, 2013, I had a job and they hadn't adopted any standards. Even like, I think Git, yeah, Git was definitely a thing. <laughs> I was trying to recommend it to them, and you'd have it was all FTP, and you'd have to like in the office declare. Yeah, yeah. Open. I've I've downloaded this file to modify. Can no one else please like deal with this <laughs> controller, please? And it was absolute nightmare. Filezilla or Cyberduck. Five, it was FileZilla until that broke, and then CyberDuck took over. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I was running on that time, I wasn't running on AWS either. I was running on FastHost, if you know them, possibly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And their servers were not meant to be doing what I was getting them to do, them put, put that way. So they were they were falling over and those sorts of things. So, oh, the early <laughs> days, that was fun. Cool. So I have to ask this question because obviously Snapshot is a backup company. What is your current backup strategies? So our... Uh, we have we do the AWS sort of set mm-hmm. of things. We've got retention of um, thirty days on our AWS database. We have a um, a snapshot um, being done daily, and that is our you know 
we only have two places of storage in Machine, which is a single database and our S3 file storage. And it's, it's one of those things I have put the question out to, to our customers and sort of said, do you want another form of backup? Do you want it to go to your servers? Do you want, you know, these sorts of things? And when you take them through, you know, I respond to what my customers ask for, that you take them through is sort of what AWS is capable of. And they sort of go, look, you know, if a bomb drops an island, you know, we'll have problems as well kind of thing. So they sort of go, that's okay. What what we would really like to, and this is, you know, this is, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be on your door if it happens. But if a customer comes to us and says, we want our data backed up to a second destination, then we will, we will write the option and enable it so that accounts can have that done. And that's basically the way we grow the platform. If somebody said, we please could yeah. have, we write the option in for people to have that. And then some other people go, oh, I not thought of that. Thanks very much. So we're, we're in that place with it. Um, we have what I think is a fairly resilient setup. But if people want an even more setup, we'll... Yes. Um, also, obviously, this obviously this isn't the sole essentially <laughs> podcast, but uh, yeah, we always yeah it always depends where you draw the line, and potentially you know in the future, do you want to back up your data to a different provider, or do you want to be completely out of AWS? But your point about AWS with uh, if you're in S3, you're in three different re- data centers in that particular region, and they're separated by I think Ireland is when I looked up recently 60 kilometers apart from each other, so that's actually three bombs that need to to go off for your customer's data to be lost from S3. So yeah. I, I haven't recently looked up how big a nuclear bomb is, but, uh, you know. Yes, I, that's I, true. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as you say, but, uh, yeah, there would be bigger problems at that point. <laughs> I think there would be. Uh, the, the I was thinking more terrorist level attack, not like national, <laughs> nationwide. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I guess, uh, you know, taking a uh, proverbial pair of scissors to the uh, data connection would be the, uh, the, the biggest worry. But, you know, that, that's sort of where we are. You have to be. You have to be practical about these things, and that, that's where we put it. I think there, there is a one thing we do come into quite a lot is about we generally digitize businesses which aren't very digitized. That's generally where we where we do most of our time. Not not all the cases, but mostly. And there is this sort of hang on, you're taking my data and you're putting it in the cloud. Oh, I see. Because yeah. as 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 techies, as people that are you know happy, comfortable <laughs> with this technology, it's totally you know cloud safe fine whatever yeah but to people that have their server sat over there with a cup of coffee resting on it but we're happy that that's a manageable risk etc and so forth that is a very sort of you know a very um yeah strange thing because the idea of the idea of running a server at home for core infrastructure is terrifying <laughs> like i've never, never considered doing that i think it's um I think it's terrifying to us that have never done it. I think to the guys that were putting together servers, I think I think I've seen on your Twitter actually you've you've done um, you've done that kind of thing. But for for me at least, I think you know I've got Sonology Drive and I can set it up to do various things. But the idea yeah. of it, you know, me knocking it over in a party and that being the company gone, you know, yeah, exactly, no. exactly, yeah. So we've got I got <laughs> which I mostly use for like they back up each other as part of like um, continuous testing of um, snapshooters. Sort of process it's also it's a lot quicker to test the server that's just <laughs> in the garage than um in the cloud but actually running any infrastructure <laughs> to give a bit yeah, of time I mean, in a in a in a garage without redundant power supply and climate control and all these things security like just a disaster yeah <laughs> so i can see what like all these things are things you can sell to uh to your, your users right no we've we've got a you know data resilience pdf which sort of says 
you know, what, what does Amazon do for us? And a lot of people yes. go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that, uh, you know if, if you take it as marketing alone, that's, um, that, that's worth it. That's interesting. Basically. Yeah. So I went to a local data center to have a tour recently, oh, a few years ago, and they were showing me the, uh, the check-in location where the security guard sits and how, how much bulletproof glass he sat behind. <laughs> I thought, I can't ever imagine someone bringing in a rifle out in <laughs> Norwich to get into a data center, but I guess, you know, that's, that's the sort of level of security. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't, it's one of those things, you don't hear it on the news at all of people breaking into data centers. I, I'm really no. happy that yes, people yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. and I'm really happy that precautions are in place and those sorts of things. But you sort of imagine somebody running in and going, I've got a hard drive. Oh, what, what the, what do I do with this? Like, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where do I, where do I go? Yeah. You know, it's sort of, it's, uh, there's probably a movie and it's somebody, the, the gruff's running in with the AK-47 and, uh, you know, some, Oh, yeah. I, can, I can already imagine the movie where they just plug a USB drive into a random server and start hacking. But um, <laughs> have it yeah. down, mate. You know. Yeah, have it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I think we've covered everything I really wanted to talk about. You know, we've, um, what are your costs roughly at AWS at the moment? Unless you're on the size. At, at the moment, we're at about £250 a month, roughly. Okay. Uh, so relatively low. Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable, really. Yeah, yeah. In in the grand scheme of things, relatively low. We run things very efficiently, basically. I imagine most work. of that cost is towards RDS. <laughs> which is a- uh, yeah, I mean, we run again. We run small RDS instances um, compared to compared to what AWS to do. We run small EC2 instances that still have more than enough firepower to do what we need them. We need them to do. I think it's it's the case of because we have all you know I have written a huge amount of the application stack, the database mm-hmm. side, all of those sorts of things. We have quite you know we have full control over how the application handles. When you get a lot of open source components doing your connections and those sorts of things, you start losing control of. There's two connections in the same call and those sorts of things. You're you suddenly start going whoop, and the amount of power that your application requires mm-hmm. just goes through the roof and you're not entirely sure why so we've we've done quite well to mean that we can you know we handle a decent we normally happens for us it's like friday afternoons absolute hell on earth for us because <laughs> suddenly everyone's uploading their files backing up the weekend sharing yeah. the report that we sent yada 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 it all goes off on on friday afternoon we found mm-hmm. and we handle that we handle that fine you know the first time you see the spike you go and then you know, <laughs> yeah. we're sort of fine from there. And it's it's going to get better with machine servers as we leverage a bit more of, um, you know, handing off the big things to AWS so they can they can handle the workload. So, um, no, it's we're, we're quite proud of keeping it simple. I think is that that's what we would say. Brilliant. Okay. I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. So um, where could people uh, find out more about you? Shoom.co.uk is nice and straightforward. You can find us on Twitter, you know, there's uh, there's contact form on our website and all, all those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, come find us. Brilliant. And, uh, um, I was I was say it's sort of personally it'd be nice to have a nice to have a chat. Um, I, don't, I always I always feel with these things that you say come and find us so you can give us money and those sorts of things. I, I quite like <laughs> yeah. come and find us so you can just have a chat. I mean, you know, middle of a pandemic, it's just nice kind of having a chat. To be honest. Oh, fair enough. Okay, well, we'll, we'll put your the <laughs> link there. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks very much, though. Cheers.
Thank you for listening to the Pushing to Production podcast from Snapshooter.com. Snapshooter is a backup service for all of your online servers, databases, and applications. From the whole server snapshots at providers like DigitalOcean, AWS, and Vultra, as well as direct backups from any provider to your given storage of choice, S3, Backblaze, Google Drive, the list goes on. Check us out today. We have a limited free plan, or all plans come with a 14-day free trial with no card required. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week. Thank you.